Good morning, everyone. It's good to be back with you after being on a study break. Some people wonder, what, what does a pastor do on a study break? Is that just code for kicking sand at the beach? So I thought I'd tell you just a little bit so you know uh, how your investment's paying off, so to speak. Um, I had an opportunity to lay out the sermons for the next year on my study break. That's one of the things that I do. That means coming up with the series, the individual sermon titles, and the texts that go with that, and different ideas and creative aspects of that. So that takes a large part of it. Also, I uh, was involved in writing a curriculum for a wonderful series we're going to do in October. That curriculum that I wrote is going to be then published, and then it's going to be available uh, for all of our life groups in October. So we're very excited about that. And then I have about three writing projects with deadlines that I'm working on, so I was involved with that. And then Marsha and I had the chance to go and visit the refugees that we've been supporting and seeing how God is at work in their circumstances and then also had a chance to meet about 20 to 25 uh, global uh, partners uh, that are involved in some of the most dangerous and difficult places on uh, the planet and just hearing their stories and see how God is at work in and through their lives. And then I just uh, had the opportunity last week to speak to Campus Crusade for Christ overseas to about 275 of their international leaders at their uh, Bold Moves conference. So I'm glad to be home to rest for a little bit. But uh, thank you for your prayers. And uh, it's good to be back. We're starting a brand new series. And our brand new series, series is entitled God Speak. God Speak. We're going to talk about, for this next month, how God speaks to us and how we speak to God. Prayer. And getting ready for this, I came across something written by my daughter's pastor. You've probably heard of him, Max Lucado. And I read it, and it just captured my mind, and I thought, I can't do better than Max Lucado. So I saw to read to you what he says about prayer. He says, I'm a recovering prayer wimp. I doze off when I pray. My thoughts zig and zag, then zig again. Distractions swarm like gnats on a summer night. If attention deficit disorder applies to prayer, Max says, I am afflicted. When I pray, I think of a thousand things that I need to do, and I forget the one thing I set out to do, pray. Some people, he says, excel in prayer. They inhale heaven and exhale God. They are the SEAL Team 6 of intercession. They'd rather pray than sleep. Why is it that I sleep when I pray? They belong to the PGA, Prayer Giants Association. I am a card-carrying member of the PWA, Prayer Wimps Anonymous. Do you know that this week more of us will pray than will exercise or go to work? Surveys indicate that one in five unbelievers prays daily, just in case. We pray to stay sober, centered, or solvent. We pray when the lump is deemed malignant. 
when the money runs out before the month does, when the unborn baby hasn't kicked in a while, we all pray. But we would like to pray more. Wouldn't we like to pray better, deeper, stronger, with more fire, faith, or fervency? We want to pray, but why? We might as well admit it, prayer is odd, peculiar, speaking into space, lifting words into the sky. We can't get the cable company to answer us, yet God will. The doctor is too busy, but God isn't. We have our doubts about prayer. When I read those words, I thought, I feel a little bit relieved. I'm not the only one who feels this way. If Max Lucado, author, pastor, confesses and says he struggles with prayer, I feel a little bit safer in saying, I have struggled with it as well. Anybody else? Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. I have a very disciplined prayer life. For the nearly 40 years of ministry, I've been pretty consistent with my prayers. It's just that my prayers have often felt more like chores than a pleasure and a joy. But in the last several years, that's turned around a bit. Where I more often see prayer as a pleasure and a joy and something I look forward to rather than a chore and something I have to get through. So this series is really meant to encourage you, inspire you in your prayer life. Help it come alive for you. It's not meant to shame you about your prayer life or guilt you about your prayer life. And my hope and my prayer is that if all of us begin to pray more and pray like Jesus and become passionate and excited about our prayers, we'll see more miracles take place around us, maybe in us. We'll see more power released and more lives transformed. What would it be like if, at all of our campuses, we would become a more prayerful church? Because I know we already are. But become even more so would be absolutely amazing, wouldn't it? And good for the world and certainly good for our lives. So what does the Bible teach us about prayer? Well, there's a lot in the Bible about prayer. And one day, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples of Jesus came to him, and knowing about prayer, they said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. That's an interesting request. If there is one thing that you could ask Jesus to teach you, would it be prayer? I mean, why not come and ask Jesus, Lord, We've seen you doing these miracles. Teach us to do miracles. Teach us how to heal people. Oh, Lord, teach us how to raise from the dead. Oh, Lord, could you show us the technique to multiply bread and multiply fish? But they didn't ask any of those things. They just simply said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I think it's because the disciples recognized that everything Jesus did, all that power, all those miracles all came out of a powerful prayer life 
See, connected with the Father, dependent on the Spirit. And so they knew none of the other things were possible if they didn't figure out how to pray. And so Jesus taught them how to pray in what we think of as the what? The Lord's Prayer. But I'd rather look at it as praying the way Jesus prayed. And so if you want to follow in your Bibles, in the NIV, we're going to look at today, Matthew chapter 6. And if you look in your worship folder, I provided you the text as well in a little uh, sheet of paper that looks like this. You can pull that out. And I don't really want you writing on the front of this because that's your assignment for later this week. I'll explain that later. But the prayer's there. It's also on the screen. Can't miss it today. Lord's Prayer. NIV, we're going to be again reading it in verse 9. I always struggle with it because I learned it in the King James Version. So see if I don't get this messed up. Let's try it together. Ready? Verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Somebody with a sharp eye is looking at that little outline with the prayer on it. You're saying, oh, you guys missed a line. You forgot the... Yours is the kingdom, power, glory forever part. Well, we didn't forget it. The NIV and most modern versions just don't include it. The reason they don't include it is because the earliest manuscripts don't have it. And so the latter, the later manuscripts do. And so the translators go, well, we think that may have been an edit that was inserted into the original. Well, I'm not going to argue either way. I keep it because there certainly is nothing wrong with praying, and to you belongs the glory and the power forever. Would you agree? So I kind of have kept that in for us to think about as we think about the Lord's Prayer. Now, in the prayer that Jesus prayed and that he taught his disciples then and now, he gives us a framework by which we can talk to God. If you look at that framework, it breaks down into a little bit of a template, and that's what you see underneath the Lord's Prayer in that little handout that you have in front of you. I'll put the text back up on the screen, and you'll see I'll highlight in bold where you can find the framework. But first of all, Jesus teaches us that, well, we're to praise God. Hallowed be thy name. We're to praise God when we pray. Secondly, we're to obey God. Thy will be done. Thirdly, we're to ask our Father for his provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. We're to confess to the Father our sins. Forgive us, forgive others. We're to ask the Father to lead us away from temptation. Lead us not into temptation. We're to ask the Father to deliver us from evil deliver us from the evil one. And we're to ask the Father to show us ways that we can glorify him. Jesus says, this is the way to pray. Form and fashion your prayers around these areas when you are talking to God. 
But we miss something if we don't understand that the Lord's Prayer is not just how to talk to God, it's also how to hear God. I talked about it a couple of years ago. It's well worth reminding myself and ourselves about again. The Lord's Prayer is not just how to talk to God, it's also how to hear God, because prayer is a conversation. And what we forget is God starts the conversation. Most of us think of prayer as a conversation we start, but that's not accurate. God starts it. He speaks to us, and then we speak back to him, and we use God's prayer language. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about the language of the Scriptures. So how does God speak to us? Well, God does speak in visions and dreams, and I've met men and women who've come to know Jesus through vision and dreams. You know, we have folks sometimes show up at Wooddale Church from other religions who will have a vision of, like recently, the cross. And somebody wanted to know because they saw a cross up there. Tell me about the cross. Isn't that wonderful? Here in the western suburbs, Twin Cities, God is moving in miraculous ways. God also speaks through others. I'm always careful when somebody says to me, God gave me something to tell you. He may have, and he has at times, but I'm always kind of careful with that. And God certainly speaks to our own thoughts and ideas, and I'm very careful with that. But God primarily speaks to us through his word. Therefore, whether it's a vision, a dream, or somebody else, or my own thoughts and ideas, I always have to go back to the Word of God and say, does, does what I think I'm hearing, does it square with the truth? Therefore, i got to know what the Word of God teaches and says, don't I? Because if I'm not sure of what the Word of God says to me, I can become dependent on what other, are, what other people are telling me that God is saying to me, and that's not always a good thing because we're all fallible. We don't always really hear from God. So i got to make sure I'm hearing from God. I love what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, about God's word. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. Let's just say that first phrase. It's on the screen. Say it with me, would you? For the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is not dead history, stale doctrine, or a mystery shrouded in code. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 4, 12. God's word is alive because it is God-breathed. <sighs> Comes from him. And it echoes over the centuries. That is, what God said to Daniel also applies to me. Maybe specifically to Daniel, historically, in facts at a certain time, but it carries an echo of truth that even I can find for my life. God's word is living and active, and he has something he wants to say to you and me every day. Not just to us individually, but to us in our marriages, if we're married, to us in our friendships, and our families, to us even as a church. We need to we need to be ready to hear and listen to what God has to say. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy 3.16. Would you read it aloud together with me? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, 
and training in righteousness. Do you believe that? Do you believe in the veracity of God's word? I'll tell you this much. The power in your prayers is going to be determined by the confidence you have in his word. Want to pray more effectively, more powerfully? Then deepen your confidence in the truth of the scriptures. So the question becomes, how then do I use the Lord's Prayer not just to speak to God, but to, but to listen to God? Let me go back to that little handout, and uh, I'm going to show you what I have learned to do and how I'm hearing God speak to me ever more so clearly by using that same template that Jesus gave us to talk to God. Now, later this week, I, or actually maybe today, if you're willing, I'd like you to try this with the Lord's Prayer itself. However, I'm going to share with you a passage of Scripture that I recently used in my own quiet time. I've been moving for the, uh, through the Gospel of Matthew like a tortoise, very slowly, trying to hear God and, and respond to God. And on this particular day, I began reading in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, through about Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. If you want to turn there, you can. We're also going to have it on the screen, but I like it when you open your own Bibles and see it for yourself. And what I'm going to do is going to take you through my, my quiet time and how I use this template. I don't have enough time to do it in detail. I'm just going to give you kind of an overview. If you have your own method, stay with it. If you don't have one, maybe try this. It is based on the way Jesus prayed. And uh, I'll, walk you, I'll walk you through it. All right, so I have a prayer journal in front of me when I do this. The passage I chose to read that day was Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And before I read it, I pray this very short, simple little prayer. Holy Spirit, I'm about to read your word. I believe you have something to say to me today. Help me to see it. Help me to hear it. And then I read it. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. It's wonderful when you use technology. All right, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I stopped right there. See, that's an odd place to stop. Why'd you stop there? Because I already felt like God had said a lot to me and, and I had a lot now to say to him. You say, how did you know that? Well, I went to my prayer journal and right before I began to read, I created a little bit of an outline. What I did, and I can't write it out because of room, all right, but what I did is I, I put the letter P for praise, Okay. Then I, I put down, next to it, I put the letter W for what is God's will that I'm to obey. And I put 
P-R-O, what is God's provision he's offering to me? Then I put down, what sins is God pointing out that I might need to confess? Now, God may not specifically point out a sin in that passage, but I know of issues I need to confess, so I bring that into it as well. Then I add something, not that I'm adding to Scripture, but it's implied in the Lord's Prayer. I believe God wants us to surrender. So I always put a little S there for, what's God calling me these days to surrender to him? Okay? Then, I write down and I, I put, what temptations is the Lord wanting to lead me away from, or I need to ask God to lead me away from? What evil do I need to be delivered from? And how can I, G-L-O, how can I glorify God? So that's, that's how I'm going to listen to God. Taking the Lord's Prayer, I'm using this as kind of a filter to say, as I read this passage carefully, hearing from God. Now, the more you do this, you kind of just get used to it. At first, it's a little awkward, right? But you, you get used to it. Sometimes I'll read a passage several times to get out of it what God is saying to me. Sometimes it's very specific, and other times it is more implied in the passage. And I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to lead me in that whole process. So I can't give you everything, but let me just give you some of the things, for instance, that I heard God say to me of ways that I can praise him. I looked at the passage. I looked at verse 23 that said, Jesus went throughout Galilee. I thought, you know, I can praise God because, because God, God is a going God. And I praise him that he went from heaven to earth. I looked at that and I realized that he healed people. And I thought, I can praise God for being a healer. I looked at it and I thought, you know, he taught them the gospel. I can praise God because he's a teacher. I can praise God for the good news. I can praise God because he's the source of blessings. I can praise God because he's brought his kingdom. I can praise God because he comforts, and on and on. Man, there's a lot there to praise God for. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, about probably two, I figure about two days a week when I don't feel like doing this. I wake up in the morning, it's my first discipline I do, and I want to go do and get something else done that's pressing. But I just don't feel like it. How many of you just don't feel like praying sometimes? All right. I still make myself do it. And here's what happens 99.9% .9 of the time. I get to this part where I'm writing down ways to praise God. I begin to praise him, and my whole attitude shifts and changes. Do you know why that is? Because the Bible says God inhabits praise. And I'm so thankful then that I, that I didn't follow my feelings. Because suddenly I find myself in God's presence. Well, the next thing is I, I write down, what, what is God's will? What's his will? And I, I wrote down a couple of things like, well, I, I really believe God's will is that I also go here, near, and far. That not only do I go, but that I also share the, the good news. He wants me to do that, that I live out the good news. That I pray for people to be healed. That God's power would be released in and through my life. That I would comfort others. If you look at that first uh, uh, beatitude, that I would also be aware of my own weakness. My own spiritual weakness. 
And there are more things. What happens is you write something down and it creates an idea in your mind or another scripture in your mind. You go, oh, and I can add that as well. Now, when it comes to provision, all right, I go back to the passage. Jesus says there are blessings. He provides his kingdom. Not only does he provide his kingdom, he provides comfort. He provides truth. He provides, you can just, there's a lot in that passage to put down. Confession. Now, there are some things I already know I need to confess. Maybe I got angry. Maybe I was, you know, had a bad attitude, whatever it is. I'm going to confess those things as well. I'm going to write them down. But in that passage, it might be some things revealed to me. For instance, I might find that I'm a little bit indifferent to the hurts and needs of people around me. I'm focused on my kingdom, not God's kingdom. And I need to seek forgiveness for those things. I always, almost always, the first thing I will confess is pride in my life. Because pride is the mother or the root of all sins. And if you are here today and you are sinful like me, then every day you probably need to deal with pride. And pride is this desire to prove ourselves through performance, to be accepted by what we do, rather than realizing I don't have to do anything. I'm accepted and loved by God. Surrender. There are four areas of my life I surrender every day. My mind, my will, my emotions, and my body. I surrender my finances. Remember, I'm a Dutchman, all right? I surrender my attitude, my family. I surrender the church. I surrender control. I'm a control freak. If you're a control freak, just raise your hand and admit it and get it over with. Those of you who don't, you're trying to control, not sharing the truth with us, right? We all struggle with it in the western suburbs of Minnesota. I know we do. So I write all those things down. Remember, I'm listening to God at this point. Then Has God shown me any temptations I need to avoid? Now, he may have already shown me some things I need to write down that aren't even in the text, but he may reveal to me, avoid the temptation of building a kingdom for yourself. Because he mentions his kingdom there. I need to be about his kingdom. Evil. I always write down the unseen one, the evil one. Demonic powers around me. Lord, deliver me from that. But then, is there other evil, like, worldliness is implied in that passage that I need him to, to you know, deliver me from, the clutches of, of this worldliness, the system we live in. And Lord, how can I glorify you? I can, go, I can glorify you by going and by sharing and being like Jesus today. So those are the things that I write down. After I do that, I then go back over this and I begin to pray it back to the Lord. Now, I like to doodle when I pray, all right? So I get my, my colored pens out, and, and I'll begin to circle. And I'll say, Lord, I'm here to praise you this day. Thank you for being a going God. Reminds me of Philippians 2. Jesus, you gave everything up in order to become like me in human flesh. And I just start praising God. And that always brings other ideas and thoughts that I'll praise him for. Lord, I praise you that you're a healing God. You physically heal, you spiritually heal. Lord, I praise you for bringing us the good news in a bad news world. And I just, I'll spend a lot of time here praising God, circling these things, oftentimes coming up with more ways to praise him and enjoy it so much. Then, Lord, I want to be willing to go. And I'll talk to him about that. 
Lord, I, I also want to make sure I'm sharing the good news. Lord, I just pray, use my prayers. Use the prayers of others to bring healing in people's lives. Lord, help me to comfort. Now, I'll, I'll work through that. Lord, thanks for providing so many blessings. And I'll start to think about all the blessings God has given. And, you know, that old song, name them one by one. And I'll begin to name those before the Lord. Or, Lord, I need to confess I'm sometimes indifferent to the needs of others. I'm going about with my head down, focused on my little kingdom. Lord, help me to be about the kingdom of God. Forgive me for that. Or, Lord, forgive me for that negative attitude I had. Or, Lord, whatever it is. Lord, I want to surrender my mind to you, my thoughts, my choices, my emotions, my body. It's all yours. Lord, my finances belong to you. Lord, my family belongs to you. Lord, I just give you control today. I don't need to be in control today. I give you the rest of this week. I surrender these things to you. Still talking to God. Lord, here's a temptation that might be in my way. Lord, lead me away from it. Help me not to go near it. Help me stay away from the edge, Lord. Give me discernment and sensitivity to walk the other way. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. I got a target on my back. Protect me. Lord, deliver my family, my children. Lord, deliver me from worldliness. Lord, help me to glorify you this day by, by being willing to go and not stay. Lord, by willing to share rather than keep it to myself. Help me to be Christ-like. And then I have my own prayer list that I create. And on my prayer list, what I do is I, I use a lot of initials. And I'll just give you kind of a quick sampling I, for instance, I'll, I'll put down the letter M for my wife, Marcia, and I'll pray what I learned here over her life, plus anything else that comes to my mind. I'll pray it for her. Then I take my, my kids, and I'll, I'll uh, put their initials down, and their, and, uh, their, their uh, spouses, and then I'll, I'll pray for them, and I'll doodle as I pray for them, and I make all kinds of diagrams. I'm just praying into their lives, and I do that. I take our blood relatives, our family line, and I break them up into sections, pray for different ones on each day. And then I'll go and I'll pray for our staff, for our campus pastors. I pray through our staff, for our staff. I pray for our elders. Not every day, but on certain days, the elders get prayed for. Certain days, certain staff get prayed for. I pray for the healing, the situations that I know of in Wooddale Church. That all gets brought before the Lord like I did this morning. I pray for our global partners in different countries that we support and are involved in. I'll pray for issues, and, and, and then I, here's something I do, and it's not easy to do. I'll, I'll pull up the news on my iPad, and I'll pray through the headlines on the news for what's going on in the Bahamas today, or, or our you know, current administration, or whatever it is. And I just, I use that to pray what God has shown me. I pray it over those people. And I pray for those situations. Then, God has really been reminding me lately Include a section. Hope we got enough paper for the rest of the sermons. All right. All right. Of thanks. Of answers. It's important to write down the answers to prayer. Why is it? So that you can celebrate it. Because when you see God starting to answer, it just causes you to want to do this more and more, doesn't it? And not only should you celebrate the answers, but you should run around telling other people how God answered prayer as well to inspire them in their prayer life, whether it's something small or something significant. The other day, I was talking to my dad, and since mom passed away almost a year ago, uh, dad's had his you know, struggles moving through all of this and trying to find where things are, and he couldn't find the deed to the property, and there's some business things we need to take care of. So 
He said he spent two days looking for it. He said, I, I've looked through everything. He said, I've thrown out all kinds of papers that I didn't even realize we had. And that made me a little nervous, but uh, hope the deed didn't get thrown out as well. But he, he just couldn't find it. So I said to Dad uh, a couple days ago, I, I said to Dad, well, let's pray about this. And so I prayed, Lord, help Dad be able to find that deed. And he called me the next morning. He said, he said you know what happened? I said, tell me. He said, I, you know, he said, I searched for days, and I couldn't find it. He said, I laid down, I couldn't sleep, and at 1.30 in the morning, he said, a thought came into my mind. He said, I saw a bunch of your mom's cookbooks sitting over in the corner someplace, and he, thought to him, he said, I thought to myself, go look in those things. And he thought, that's just crazy, but I'll go do it. And he said, I started looking through Betty Crocker, and right there was an orange envelope stuffed into it. He said, I opened it up, and there was the deed. I guess my mom didn't want anybody finding it. <laughs> Keep that thing safe and secure. No thief's going to look at Betty Crocker for the deed. <laughs> you know, God cares about the small things, doesn't he? He does. He knows when the sparrow falls. If you don't think God cares about the details in your life, you're fooling yourself. He does. If you be able to talk to God about those things. And then the big things that God answers prayers. We've launched, by God's grace, launched seven corners. Have you been down there yet? Already some great stories of things that are happening down at seven corners. That's an effort that so many of us prayed about. And you celebrate those answers. When you see God begin to move and work and you take notes of that that glorifies him. And you share that, that glorifies and honors him. Amen. So that's what this series is about. And you've been given a homework assignment to take the Lord's Prayer and try what I just did. Try to do it just with the Lord's Prayer. I want to challenge you for seven days. Choose seven passages of Scripture. However long you want to make them, however short, it doesn't matter to me. Just start listening to God. Stop when you think you've heard enough and just talk back to God and listen and journal and get excited about what God is doing. It'll invigorate your prayer life. And of course, the one thing I left out that I have on my list is my adopt seven that I pray for my adopt seven God just added somebody new to my adopt seven recently and I'm praying for that person as well over the next several weekends we're going to learn more about prayer next weekend I want to teach you what's called a pocket prayer those times when you don't necessarily have time to do this but there is a prayer you can bring before God I think it's going to be a blessing even to our educators as well even whether they believe in God or not it's a way to begin to think about prayer. And we have many more practical opportunities coming up for you as well. So don't miss this series. Amen.